Welcome to Behind the Sale. I'm your host, Princess B. On this show, we talk about sales and leadership in the high-ticket space. My goal is to help you level up your skills as a leader so you can close more deals and transform more lives. Today, I have Cameron Saya on the show. He's going to share how we can use principles of covert persuasion to be more influential as leaders. If you want to learn how to use simple psychological principles to be a more effective leader, then stay tuned. Today, I have a super exciting guest. I have Cameron Saya on here. Happy to have you here because, I mean, who better to have on a podcast about sales and leadership than a literal expert at covert persuasion? I have been training with him for a few weeks now, and my mind is blown. I've learned so many really cool things, and I think he has a boatload of value to provide in the sales space. So I want to pick his brain and share it with all of you guys. So that's what we're going to do today. How in the world did you even get into this stuff? Yeah, that's a really good question. For me, um, I think it was it was a combination of a few things. I, I always struggled with um, social anxiety. So I, I had a hard time connecting with people. Uh, even after I got into sales, I, I think one of my main obstacles for me to overcome was getting over myself in the conversation. Very shy, very kind of closed off in my shell. And learning this stuff, learning the underpinnings of human behavior and what makes people the way that they are really helped me not only understand other people, but I think it helped me understand myself. So that was one thing uh, that that kind of led me into wanting to explore that other side of human behavior. But the other thing was that the the mainstream sales trainings just weren't enough for me. Like the probing and clarifying is great, but I wanted more and it wasn't doing enough. It was great, but just not enough. And so when I came across this stuff, when I came across the deep stuff, the bottom of the iceberg stuff, for me, those were all the missing puzzle pieces. Those were all the things where I'm like, everything I've been searching for is all here. And all I have to do is understand it and master it. And so that just became a rabbit hole for the past two plus years now. And I'm I'm so far in, but I feel like I'm still only scratching the surface. So that, that's kind of what led me down this trail. And it's been a nonstop journey ever since. Wow. So for you, it's been like wanting more out of your sales training? Wanting more out of my sales training, but wanting to understand myself. It's kind of like, you know, a silly example, but it's like Harry Potter has always had the scar, but he doesn't know why. He doesn't know why people know his name. He doesn't know what's behind that scar. And so it's kind of like he's always had this thirst to know more about himself, to prove himself. Um, it's kind of the same, for lack of a, a sillier analogy, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, I've always had this thing where I, in me that I've wanted to discover, I just didn't know how to unlock it. And I think this was the means for me to unlock that thing. And it just so happened that sales was the vehicle that got me there. Ah, uh, okay. Wow. So that's, that's a deeper than I thought that I thought it would be. <laughs> I thought I would be like, oh, you just wanted to like learn how to like get what you want in situations. So, well, but, that, cool. honestly, princess, that's a getting what I want is a byproduct. I mean, it's cool, and I can, yeah. for the most part, get what I want. 
but all of all of that stuff is a byproduct that was never the end result for me so it's it's like the end result was just knowing myself getting what I want is just a byproduct of that Mm, okay yeah so honestly like my favorite technique that I've learned from you so far is identity hacking because I can quickly get someone on the same page as me so that way we can have a really real open honest conversation um and especially on a sales call and so can you share with the audience what identity hacking is and how we can actually leverage identity hacking to get compliance in sales conversations absolutely um being able to read people is a is a powerful skill but reading people and and using what you read from people in your conversation with them is a whole other level so it's like we're reading and we're gaining, we're gathering data, but what do we do with that data? That's where identity hacking comes in. So if I'm on a call with somebody and I know what their desires are and I know what their fears are, if I understand what someone's fears are, not just their desire, but people are a little bit more emotionally uh, charged with their fears, I can control them. And not in a bad way, but I can control that behavior by using their fears. So what we do, identity hacking is just a fancy way of saying that human beings will always behave in a manner that's consistent with how they see themselves, with their identity, how how we identify ourselves. We're always going to act, speak, and behave in a way that's consistent with that. All I want to do is assign someone the identity that I need them to have in order to move towards a common goal. If they're not that person, I need to give them that identity to try on, to wear, so that they can step into a better version of themselves so we can move towards the goal. And all I need them to do is agree to whatever role I'm assigning them. So for example, if I need someone, if my end goal requires this person that I'm talking to to be more open then I will assign them the identity of someone who's open. That could come in the form of a compliment, complimenting how open they are. It could come in the form of uh, maybe using one of their fears. A lot of people are uh, have the common fear of being seen as an idiot or being seen as dumb. That's a kind of a common universal fear. So I'll play into that and be like, hey, princess, I talk to a lot of dumb people. And, and like, you know, you, you'd be surprised how many idiots out there are just afraid to be open. So I'm attaching a, a an unwanted behavior, being closed off or not being open to an identity that they don't want to have. So the natural byproduct of that is, well, hey, I'm not that person, so I'm going to act in a way that's more open. So as long as I can get someone ag to agree to whatever quality I'm assigning them, then I can steer their behavior in the direction that I want it to go. And it's one of the most powerful techniques of all of the stuff I teach and the stuff I've learned so far. It's probably the number one influence technique is to control someone's behavior using their identity and playing on their identity, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if this person's a stranger, like, how do we know what to kind of, like, are there any quick ways that we can assign an identity to them? Is it based on what they say or like, how do we know what to use or what to leverage? Yeah. Um, you, people tell you a lot of things about them without saying any words. And you can tell a lot about a person, even from across a crowded airport or in a busy restaurant, just by looking at someone. 
for example, if you and I are, let's say you and I are, we're sitting at a bar and we look across the bar and we see a, we see someone sitting there with a 49ers jersey and she has a, uh, she has her laptop out and it has an Apple uh, sticker on the laptop. And then she also has some tattoos. She has a Star Wars tattoo. It says Star Wars. And then over here, she has a Harry Potter tattoo. So what is she telling us about her? She's telling us that she's a member of these tribes. She belongs to these organizations. So her primary need, that mask, we call it a mask, that mask that she's wearing, that she's showing to the world is that she belongs. The word for that is acceptance. I have a need to feel accepted and to belong to the tribe. So if we know her need is acceptance, then I'll ask you, princess, if your primary need is to feel like you belong, then what is the, the fear on the opposite side of that? What's your number one fear? Being isolated. Being isolated, being out. Left out, yeah. Left out, be, maybe being a part of a group where there's like a peer mismatch. Yes. So just by looking at someone in five seconds, just doing a quick scan, I can automatically tell you what this person's fears and insecurities are. And I can weave those into a conversation with her. I haven't even spoken a word to her yet. And I already know more about her than she probably does about herself. So that's how powerful this stuff is. It's the question you ask yourself, even if it's a stranger, is what is this person trying to show the world about who they are? And just from that question, you can glean a lot of data from that. Okay, that's a really good question. I like that. What is this person trying to show the world about who they are? That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, when it comes to sales conversations, is there a specific technique that would be effective with creating urgency without being overly obvious? Sure. Um, the best technique i really don't like that word technique but if we're okay. if we're talking strictly about techniques uh the the best i guess concept mm -hmm. that creates urgency in human beings is something called scarcity it's really two things it's scarcity and regret and those two things are are cousins they're they're related mm -hmm. to each other and anytime we can bring up the topic of scarcity without saying the word scarcity but a topic that's around scarcity or around regret, an interesting phenomenon happens in the human brain. There's a part of the brain that lights up. Like, let's say we, we lose somebody that we love or we're afraid of losing someone. There's someone dear to us and we're afraid of losing them. That's scarcity. And that part of the brain, the activity in the part of the brain is identical as uh, a situation where you're afraid of losing your phone or you've lost your phone and you think your phone is gone for good. They've done studies on this. So your brain does not know the difference between losing your phone and losing a loved one. That same scarcity part of the brain is going to light up with the same electrical and chemical activity. So knowing wow. that we don't necessarily have to talk about scarcity in the context of our program. A lot of people do like, if you sign up today, then it's only this much. That's yeah. that's a really, really salesy scarcity tactic. You can talk about a time where you lost someone in your life, and that will activate and simulate the same electrical activity as, as a, like a fast action discount, if you do it right. What? So, Ser okay, seriously, even if it has nothing to do with the context? Even if it has nothing to do. 
I will always find a way to talk about scarcity or regret. And the way I like to do that is I talk about, I go forward in time. So I say, yeah, you know, when we're on our deathbed and we're looking back, we're not going to think about how much money we made and how hard we worked. We're going to think about the memories that we created and the time that we spent with our loved ones. Because at the end of the day, we don't really have that much time. We're all just kind of floating around on this rock in space. And we, we're just, we're here and we're gone in the blink of an eye. And it's what we do every day in our short lifespan that really makes a difference. And when you, when you speak like that, that's activating scarcity and regret in the brain. That builds urgency at a primal level. Wow. That, that makes sense. It's so crazy how, even though it has nothing to do with the conversation itself, it's still, I guess it's just about activating it. So it doesn't have to be. So that's how, that's what I love. Okay. I love that because it, we can, I can feel safe doing it without getting caught. You know, yeah. that's always my fear is like, if I get caught and someone's like, oh, you're doing a thing. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. When it comes to a certain type of personality on, on sales calls, some sure. of the more difficult people to to help is people who have a very dominant personality. Some might call it an alpha personality. So I'm curious, what's the number one tip or strategy uh, do you, that you have uh, for overcoming those types of prospects? Yeah, beautiful question. I get asked this question all the time. The, the number one thing you have to understand about these types of people and, and really all humans, but especially this type of person, is that a, a fundamental law of human behavior is that every human being under the sun, including you and me, we all wear a mask. That means we all project an image to the world that we want the world to see us as. It's like that question a minute ago, like what is what am I trying to show the world about who I am? So people who are very ego-driven, people who are very status-driven are wearing a mask. We typically call that significance, importance, or even like strength or dominance, that, that type of mask. And it's usually pretty thick. The reason why people wear those masks, all adults are the product of what happened to them in childhood, good and bad, pleasure and, and, and pain. And we become an adult based on chemical rewards and chemical punishment in the brain. It's all, it all goes back to the brain when we were a kid. And so if you think about a guy who's wearing a, a thick ego significance dominance mask as an adult, what we're actually seeing is probably an eight-year-old kid who was bullied in school. He was probably humiliated. He was probably maybe one day his dad beat him or maybe his mom put cigarettes out on his neck or something really bad. Something happened in that kid's past where he stood in front of the mirror and crying. He made a decision in the back of his mind where he said to himself, I am never going to let people mess with me again. I'm always going to come out on top. I am going to be the aggressor. No one is ever going to get the best of me again. So that dictated mm -hmm. his behavior. So what we're really seeing is suffering. What we're really seeing is pain. And the number one law of influence, if you want to be more influential, always see suffering first. Because behind every mask, the purpose of a mask is to conceal something that's underneath it. And what's underneath that is usually pain and suffering. And so I think the number one technique, it's not what the listeners, this is not what you want to hear, but this is really the, the real answer to this question is in order to handle a prospect like that or a personality like that, see the pain 
underneath that mask. See the suffering underneath that mask and remove your ego from the conversation. Remove your judgment. Your ego will kill any interaction. Your judgment will kill any interaction. And if you can go in with empathy, it'll change the way you speak. It'll change the way you show up and it will shine through in how you approach that conversation. And it will make you less reactive to maybe some harsh ways that they come off on those calls. So I would say my number one cliff notes tip is to see suffering behind the mask. Wow. Okay. So we see the suffering, we identify, okay, this guy was probably bullied, but how do we then take that and leverage it to overcome the the resistance that we will naturally get from that person? Yeah. Well, this is where our friend identity hacking comes into play because people who thrive on feeling powerful, what are they afraid of being seen as? Weak. And if you know someone's fears, you can control them in a good way. When we use the word control, we mean in a good way, in an ethical way. Mm -hmm. So if they're afraid of being seen as weak, how can we use that to leverage their behavior? What if, what if we said something like, you know, princess, you'd be surprised how many people out there are too afraid, I'm using that word afraid, to open up and just be vulnerable and, and share something that's really deep out of fear of being seen as weak. I think the most powerful people, and I'll actually point at the person as I say powerful, whole thing behind that. But I think the most powerful people are the ones who are not afraid to just be completely open and just be vulnerable. I think that's a really powerful thing. I, I appreciate you opening up. So giving them a little compliment Maybe talking down about a group of people out there who are who share an identity that that person does not want to be seen as. So when we combine these things as puzzle pieces, it really you can like build a mosaic of behavior and of a map of where you want that person to go. It's it's cool how you can like combine all the different things. Like when you understand what like how to determine someone's mask by just looking at them. Now you can combine that with, with identity hacking. Yeah. I'm I'm curious, like, what is my mask? <laughs> you know, I could I could tell you that. I could give you the answer to that, but I think yeah. I'm gonna say the same thing to you that my mentor said to me when I asked him that question. Okay. Um, he said to me, Cameron, I think it would be more impactful and more meaningful if you profiled yourself and you figured out what that was yourself, because you'll understand yourself better. And you'll have a different opinion and a different perspective versus me just kind of force feeding you the answer. Because the way I see you, well, you know yourself better than I do. So it'll mean something a little bit differently coming from you. I know that's not the answer you wanted, but that's, definitely that's, not. The, <laughs> that's the answer I'm going to give you. Okay, fine. Are you, are you sure you're not saying that because mine is like something terrible and you don't want to embarrass me? <laughs> there's, no, there's no such thing as a terrible Okay. Mask. Okay. There are, there's a spectrum with everything. There's, you know, there's always a good and, you know, a, a toxic end of every spectrum, but I don't think there's, I don't think any mask is inherently good or bad. It's just, you know, some people wear th thicker ones. Some people are a little bit more transparent, but just to give you the answer that you're, that you're craving, uh, you are a, I see a few in you. I see multiple in you, but the number one thing I see in you is significance because you are impact driven. You are, you thrive on making a difference. You thrive on impacting people around you and you thrive on having people come to you for advice and giving advice and helping 
your fellow closers, fellow entrepreneurs, and fellow peers. So that would be categorized as significance or importance. And again, there's always a positive and negative end of these spectrums. You're definitely on the healthy and positive end of that spectrum. Okay, thanks. Good to know. I can't wait till I can just look at anyone and just profile them. That that's that's gonna be a fun like people watching thing to do. I also I love that these I don't know what to call them now because you said you don't like techniques. Do I call them strategies? You concepts? call them whatever whatever the hell you want. <laughs> I just I I personally don't like technique because technique is like something you learn from a book. This mm -hmm. is I would just say these are like principles more than anything. Okay, yeah. so. These principles, I love that they can be used in everyday life. So can you share the principle that you use to get free coffees? And you're welcome, everyone listening. Use this to get free coffees. Okay. Oh, goodness. You put me put me on the spot here. Uh, yeah. So there is, a, there is a script I have that I use to get free coffee. But this script you can use to pretty much get anything if you do it right. Now, I, as a caveat, as a kind of a disclaimer, before I tell you what the script is, like what the technique is, keep in mind that even if I wrote this out for you or I wrote this out for people, like word for word and in parentheses, it says, okay, put your hand on the counter here, gesture this way, look at your phone after you say this, do this with your eyebrows. Like it has every perfect thing on there. If I gave that script to somebody maybe with a little bit of social awkwardness or like social anxiety or low self-esteem, they probably wouldn't have much success with it. But I could give you, like you're a pretty confident person. I could give you zero script. I could just give you a principle or maybe a couple bullet points. And with your confidence, with your authority, with your charisma, with your social skill, you could stride into any any coffee shop, any gas station, and you could pretty much get this to work almost every single time. So it's not the script, it's the fuel of confidence behind the script. You just got to hit people with confidence. So that's my disclaimer. The actual technique is you just want to, without getting too lengthy here, because there's a lot under this, you just want to break people out of their autopilot mode. You want to subvert expectations, because what that does is it creates novelty something new, something they're not used to seeing. And novelty will always create focus. And focus is the thing you want. With heightened focus comes heightened suggestibility. So the way you do that is, and one simple way I do that is I walk in to a coffee shop. I walk up to the barista and I'll say, hey, princess, if you're wearing a name tag, I'll use your name because using your name will generate focus. That's novelty, not used to hearing that every day. So I'll say, hey, princess, thank you, thank you for being so awesome. And I will Without saying anything, I will reach across the counter and fist bump you or hold my fist out because that will trigger your brain to do to return the gesture because it would be very socially awkward if you just left me hanging there. It is within social norm for you to return that gesture. So what I just did was I broke you out of your autopilot of barista and I took you into my new script that I need you to be in, which is you are an awesome person and now you're listening to what I have to say. Right. So that's step one is just generate some kind of focus. Hey, princess, thank you for being so awesome. Fist bump. Then I'll take out my phone or I'll usually have my phone out and I will purposely trip over my words or say something a little nonsensical to kind of jumble up the brain a little bit. It's called confusion. There's a whole rabbit hole behind this. But what I do is I usually have a picture of a puppy because 
humans are universally drawn to puppies. It's like the universal thing that connects people is puppies. And I'll ask a question that doesn't make full sense. It, it causes your eyes to glaze over a little bit. So I'll say like, hey, do you, by the way, do you know if black and white is good for sending? And I'll just leave it at that. And that causes you to go, wait, what? And in that minute, in that moment, when you're, when you're processing what to say, I'll immediately interrupt myself because this is a little window of, I have a little window of suggestibility here where you're processing. So I can insert a, a command or a call to action and you'll take it. I can say something like, oh, sorry, I, I just realized I forgot my wallet. Do you mind if I get this on the house? I really appreciate it. I'm in, I'm in kind of a hurry. Thank you so much, princess. And so I'll, I'll just, in sales, we call this assuming the close. So I'll just mm -hmm. assume the close. Like, thank you so much. I really got around. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much, princess. So I'll give the reassurance, use your name, and then turn like I'm walking out. And it would be really, really awkward if, if princess said no to me. And for me, I've had a 100% success rate. I do this all the time. I get candy. I get donuts. I get coffee. It's just fun to do. It's it's fun people hacking. Is is It's just kind of like a little hobby for me. But that's that's how you get free coffee. I hope that wasn't too long-winded of an answer. No, that's perfect. Like that makes total sense why this wouldn't really land if you were socially awkward. Cause you've got to be like a charismatic, confident person to get away with just like, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> like walk away with the yeah. coffee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. The wrong person. They'd be like, um, excuse me. What are you uh, doing? No, no, no. You got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's a, that's, I'm really glad that you uh, prefaced that with that disclaimer, because if you know you're socially awkward, maybe don't try this one. <laughs> okay cool so let's let's talk about ethical considerations because this is like I like to call it the dark arts because it's incredibly influential to be able to persuade people in this way so are there any ethical considerations that we should keep in mind when using these principles in our interactions absolutely they say with great power comes great responsibility and I think this is a perfect example of that um we use the the term dark arts, but in reality, there's nothing dark or light about what we're doing. Influence at the end of the day is just a tool. And whether we're talking about just basic sales frameworks or covert hypnosis or NLP or anything in between, it's all just a tool. And like a tool, like I, I like to use the example of a surgical scalpel, a scalpel, little knife, it can be used by a doctor to perform a life-saving surgery and, and to perform a good deed, a good act, and to save someone's life. But that same exact tool in the wrong hands can be used to take someone's life. And so it's not the tool that is good or bad. It is the ethics and the intentions of the operator. So one thing that's important to me is that when I teach this stuff, I personally teach it and operate from a good moral compass and with good intentions. And then the people that I teach this to, you being one of them, I make sure that everybody adheres to a strict code of honor, that they make a promise, not to me, but to themselves, that they use these techniques and guard these techniques and only use them for good. Because influence can be used for all sorts of things. Influence can be used to talk someone out of suicide. It could be used uh, by a therapist to change someone's life. It could be used uh, to get someone to quit uh, an addiction. It can also be used, those same tools can also be used to uh, recruit people into a cult. 
It can be used to get pe good people to do bad things. And there's there's a very, very dark side of this too. And so I think with, just like with anything, it's all about the ethics and the intentions. And I always encourage people to operate with good intentions and to, and to bring more good into the world with these techniques as a vehicle to do that. Okay. Yeah. Very well said. I I kind of have a curveball question for you. I'm, I'm curious about something. It might be a silly question because it's like, how? But um, last night when I was just like reflecting, um, I was thinking, can I use these principles to persuade myself like when I'm getting in my own way is is that a thing or does that make no sense it's 100% a thing and it makes perfect sense because there's this wonderful saying whatever degree of control we wish to have over others we first need at least three times that control over ourselves because if we've got our own demons then it'll be impossible and incongruent for us to try to help somebody overcome theirs when we are, we've got our own stuff going on. So you can't lead someone down a path you've never walked before. And so I think like, you know, principles like identity hacking, how can we use that to leverage ourselves? If we're feeling lazy, for example, when I feel lazy, I use negative dissociation on myself. Sometimes I, I think about an identity or a group of people or a stereotype that I look down on with contempt. And I think about, okay, what do these people, like what qualities do these people have that I may be exhibiting right now? And I think about it and I realize that if these people, like lazy people, I detest lazy people. So I'm like, okay, lazy people, they just do stuff when they feel like it. And whenever things get hard, they quit. So whenever I feel like quitting something, I go, well, what would this lazy bastard over here do? He'd probably mm -hmm. just give in. I'm not like that guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna prove to myself that I'm not that person. So yeah, absolutely, they can be used to leverage yourself in a direction where you want to go. And if you can do that to yourself, if you understand yourself, if you can convince and persuade and control yourself, it'll be three times, ten times easier to do that with another person. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Now, actually, now that I think about it. I do use it on myself, identity hacking specifically. Um, I've like my new year resolution is I'm pushing myself to run four times a week and it is cold yeah. <laughs> and I, I hate running in the cold, but so, so when I, when I, when I'm, when it's time to run and I really don't want to, I tell myself, do you really want to be like those people who set new year resolutions and then fall off halfway through January? So you're already doing it. But now we have a label to attach to it. So it, it becomes that much more powerful for you. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it blows my mind. Every time we talk about this stuff, like it's just it's next level sales horror story. This is a segment I do with my guests. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it could be something where it was just a crazy thing that happened or it could be something where you actually learned a really big lesson and maybe things went south. But uh, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I do have a. <laughs> How much time do we have? I have lots of sales horror stories. I think one of them was before I discovered this stuff, the human behavior stuff, I had a lot of my own demons. I, I was a board certified douchebag. Like mm -hmm. I, I was just a, like, I, I say douchebag, but I was more like a, like a really insecure person who masked it very hard by trying to look cool. And I guess the term for that is douchebag. Pretty much. So Anytime I came across somebody, like you were asking me about those alpha types, 
anytime I came across somebody like that, it would trigger a lot of things in me. And I would become, instead of responding intelligently to the situation, I would react. And so here's an example. To answer your question from earlier, how do we handle those types of people? Here's what not to do. And I'll tell you a very real story. Um, I'm not going to say the guy's name. The guy's first name is Victor. I won't say his last name because maybe he's listening to this. Who knows? Um, his name is Victor. And this is early on in my closing journey. And he joined my call, my sales call, 30 minutes late. And when my setter reached out to him and called him to confirm that he was going to show up, he told the setter to F off and, and hung up on him. And I'm like, you know what? I got to hit my KPIs this week, so I'm going to take the call anyway. So I took the call and right from the get-go, he was like, look, man, this whole process has been a nightmare. I've been trying to answer questions. I've had to fill out the form 10 times. He was just a very disgruntled person. And knowing what I know now, I would have handled the situation so differently. But instead, I chose to react, and I started getting in a verbal argument with him. I started judging him. I started, um, I started questioning and challenging him in, in a negative way. I put my guard up. I was wearing that mask really, really thick. And so, of course, when we do that, what, the only thing that we create in the other person is a little thing called reactance, because if you call someone an asshole or if you call someone out, no one's going to take that in a good way, right? Especially yeah. if it's in a context where they don't need to hear that or don't want to hear that. Um, so we started going at it. And I finally, on a recorded call, I called the guy a name that I cannot say on this call, but I called him a name and I basically told him to F off. And um, he complained to the business owner and I got my ass handed to me by the business owner. And my business owner at the time said, Cameron, if you ever do that again, you are not only fired, but I will make sure that no other coach in this industry hires you ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah. So not only was that a lesson for me behaviorally to like learn how to, how to handle the situations better, but it was also like a wake up call that maybe the way I've been doing things and maybe, maybe the way that I've been reacting to things is not the way that is required for me to get to where I want to be. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe it's my ego or a reflection of my own ego that I'm seeing in this other person. Maybe I'm not seeing his suffering. Maybe I'm not seeing the good side of, of the other side of this, which is good. I'm only seeing my own demons. And so it was a huge, lots of learning lessons, huge wake up call. But yeah, that was a, that was a horror story for me. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you've come out on the other side of that and you've, uh, you've checked yourself and you're not a douchebag anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still kind of am, but way less than I used to be. Yeah. I haven't noticed. So you're doing a good job of hiding it if that's the I case. <laughs> <laughs> so I have another segment that I do with guests. Yeah. It's called rapid fire question segment. It is a mouthful. I need to come up with a better name. I'm workshopping it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is where I ask you rapid fire questions and you've got to answer quickly. Okay. No, thank you. Okay. Cool. So a big part of covert persuasion is body language. So what is a body language hack that instantly makes someone look and feel more confident? Yeah. Do not touch your face and do not move around. Rapid movements are associated with stress. Facial touching is the number one gesture or indicator of high stress, high cortisol. So keep your shoulders low, keep body parts open, nice and open. And 
pretend your speed limit in terms of how you move your body your speed limit is pretend that your body is in a swimming pool or that you are submerged in water that's how you move slow composed controlled and collected that will that will convey confidence whereas speedy rapid jerky jerky movements that signals in the other person that you're in fight or flight so that's a quick hack for you you know, it's funny you say that because literally just last night I was um, in a role play session. With, I was like, dude, stop touching your face. Like you're making me so uncomfortable. I didn't yeah. even know why, but I was just like, stop it. Because <laughs> as a prospect, I was role playing as a prospect. I was like, I, I was feeling nervous, even though it wasn't a real sales call. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Next question. Um, it's kind of a silly one, but still answer. Uh, if animals could give TED Talks. Which animal do you think would be the best at nonverbal communication? Ooh, which animal do I think would be the best at nonverbal communication? I think a chihuahua. A oh. chihuahua because <laughs> chihuahuas are very loud. They make a lot of noise, but chihuahuas are very small dogs. And it's always the smallest dogs that bark the loudest. So I think if you got a really intelligent, non-egotistical, uh, vulnerable chihuahua to come on and give a TED Talk in English, uh, they would talk about how I bark a lot and I make a lot of noise as a way to protect myself when I feel threatened. And I think there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from animals, but specifically a chihuahua, because you know, think about those type A's we were talking about. They do a lot of barking. They make a lot of noise, but that's usually a protection thing for their own ego feeling threatened. So I think a chihuahua would teach us a lot about behavior. Gosh, I love your brain, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I wish I could borrow your brain sometimes, especially for sales calls. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the um, coolest compliment I've ever gotten so far. That's I appreciate that. If you could interview anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, God. Um, it would be a guy by the name of Chase Hughes. Chase, if you're listening to this, my friend, I love you. And if I wasn't married, then, then I would love you even harder. Um, Chase Hughes is the number one body language human behavior expert in the world. I just so happen to have uh, on my desk, just so happen to have his entire collected works, including this 1000 page binder wow. on human behavior. And 95% um, of what I know about human behavior comes from him. He's been a, a hero of mine. He's really paved the way for, for a, lot of, a lot of my growth. And so if I were to have a conversation with anyone dead or alive, I would just pick his brain the way you want my brain. I would love his brain in my head sometimes. So that would be, uh, that would be the person. I thought you were going to pull out like one book. You pulled out like a whole stack. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. You're a true fan with, with your coaching. What's the impact that you want to have, you know, by teaching these principles, uh, particularly to, you know, people in, in sales. So coaches and other sales professionals, what is that, that mission behind that? My mission is, is the same mission that I had but, the, but I changed it to the mission that I have now. And I'll explain what I mean. In the beginning, I wanted to learn how to read people, how to control people, how to manipulate people, how to convince and persuade and influence people. But I realized along the way, there was a point where I realized that all of those things are simply a byproduct of influencing and persuading and controlling ourselves. 
So my goal is for people to be able to, to read their prospects better, for people to be able to read between the lines, for people to be able to use covert influence tactics, to, to be able to show up with authority, with all those invisible layers, the invisible influence on their calls as a byproduct of leveling up themselves first. That is my mission, is to level people up so that when they're on a call, it's just themselves shining through. That's the goal. Yeah. And that makes everything even land and be more impactful when you've done the work yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really what it's all about. Like when you think about the the top people in in any industry, let alone sales, the people who are at the, the height of their game, they've done the work themselves first. Oh, yeah. That is the only way you can lead people effectively, right? You gotta lead yourself. Yeah. Lastly, where can people find you and reach out to you to either pick your brain or even uh, talk to you about getting coaching from you to learn all of this stuff? I am, uh, my DMs on Facebook are open for business 24 seven. So look me up on Facebook, Cameron W, initial, middle initial W, Saya, um, S-A-Y-Y-A-H and slide into those DMs. I'm a awesome. I am a Slytherin if you're into Harry Potter. So my DMs are there. Go ahead and Slytherin. So Facebook is the best way to reach me. And uh, yeah, I look forward to I look forward to connecting with some people out there. Yeah, I'll definitely link your Facebook in the show notes so that way people can find you easily. And awesome. um, yeah, with that, the challenge of the week, I challenge you, fellow listener, to implement identity hacking on one of your sales calls or even a live conversation with someone and see how that goes. Cause I think it's one of the, the easiest ones to implement right away. So if you need to kind of rewind and re-listen to his explanation of identity hacking, go ahead and do that. But I challenge you to implement it at least once this week and uh, let me know how it goes. I'm curious to hear. Um, my DMs are also open for communication. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much, Cameron, for being on the show. Oh my gosh. I might have you again uh, some other time. I feel like I have a million other questions. Um, so that being said, that's all I've got for you guys today. If you haven't already, rate the episode, whether you liked it or not, I'd love to hear your feedback. You can also subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on so you don't miss my next episode. Last but not least, don't forget to hold yourself to a higher degree so that way you can be the most effective leader you can be. Until next time. Bye, guys. See you guys.